Hey there, thank you so much for downloading and subscribing to our Big Time Talker podcast. We're everywhere now. So fortunate to have you listening uh, wherever you get us at Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio Network, anywhere you can download podcasts. There we will be, courtesy of our show sponsor, SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. And in 2022, finally, COVID seems to be somewhat in the rearview mirror and in-person meetings are back. If you're a meeting planner looking for a speaker or if you're a platform speaker looking for places to speak, SpeakerMatch.com is the place you can connect with one another. Thank you, Speaker Match, for making our big-time talker conversations possible. We like to talk to thought leaders, but sometimes we luck out and we get people that their, their resume make me feel somewhat inadequate. Today, we're talking to Lincoln Stoller. Lincoln, listen to this list, and I know I'm going to leave some things off here. Here's a guy who does counseling. He uh, flies gliders. He uh, does neuroscience, philosophy, education, business coaching. And I think he does all of that before noon each day, which is pretty impressive. Lincoln Stoller joins us on the broadcast today. Lincoln, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I want to start with one of the things that that you do uh, that is in your long list of, of uh, mountaineering and scuba diving and uh, physicist and software design that, that I think people probably have a lot of misconceptions about. And that is you're a certified hypnotherapist. What, what is hypnosis exactly? Um, I would say it's, uh, it's a way of exploring your feelings at a deep level without the interference of your uh, critical mind. So it looks like trance, but it's not sleep. And uh, it's sort of like a dream, but you're sort of present. And it can be used or it can be uh, a teaching tool. I use it as a teaching tool so that like with, uh, you know, counseling or therapy, it's important for a person to get down to the to the root of their feeling you know all rationalizing aside and uh anything you want to talk about has to be looked at from that point of view so that's that's what it is from various ways it's it's a trance method of of getting to your more uh authentic and confused feelings Lincoln Stoller is our guest today you can find him online at mind strength balance.com he's written several books uh including becoming lucid self-awareness and sleeping and waking life and instant enlightenment awakening your states of mind uh i think that one is still to come uh, so in, right. hi- in hypnosis when you bring it into your work as a, a certified hypnotherapist the average person lincoln would come to you and say what they need help with what that would make you then say, okay, hypnosis is one of the tools in my uh, uh, toolbox I want to use. Well, I, I wouldn't say it directly to them because of the same reason that you brought up that they would have their own uh, feelings of what it is, which is probably a misconception uh, in many right. ways. Right. Okay. So, so I would, and, and you know, the, 
the, the one of the foundational things about hypnosis is that everything is hypnosis. Everything is a, is a view of the world from a state of mind. And it may not be the deepest, transiest, uh, you know, subconscious state of mind. In fact, it's usually a social, sort of egotistical state of mind, but it's still a state of mind and it, it's fragile somewhat and uh, malleable. So if a person came to me, well, you know, the, the most important thing um, is another very ambiguous concept, which is honesty. Um, we're not entirely honest with ourselves because we have a lot of opinions and we have to state one and live one. Um, so if you are very compromised, um, then the problem is difficult and hypnosis only gets you into that difficulty. So the people I work with most successfully are sort of ready to commit to one honest um, view of the world, or at least to try one. And then we go deeper into that and see what its roots are. So as you can see, I, I wouldn't describe it as hypnosis. I would describe it as uh, a deep and authentic and honest conversation with yourself. Lincoln Stoller is our guest today. We're talking hypnosis and a whole bunch of other stuff. And you can find out about what Lincoln is all about at mindstrengthbalance.com. How, how did you get into hypnosis to begin with? How did you uh, learn to do that? And, and what made you decide to go in that, that route? Well, it seems like I'm happy to say, uh, at least from my point of view, everything I'm doing is somewhat related. It started with, uh, well, like everything, it started with, you know, your family experience. And, uh, you know, out of that came a desire for clarity. And I was attracted to science because that seemed clear. And that took me into physics, uh, from which I ricocheted because the practice of science is not all that clear. And even the attitudes of science are somewhat contrived. And then I sort of bounced around like anybody who was young in the 70s into, uh, you know, that, that was when um, Eastern philosophy was starting to gain some maturity after the immature 60s. And uh, so then you bounce back into philosophy and science. And uh, I'm happy to say I encountered cultures, foreign cultures, indigenous cultures, other world views. And these things, I, I kind of have the picture of, you know, a penny dropping through those, those mazes that you find in airports that you contribute to some charity. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I got involved with um, brain science, psychedelic ceremony, and it all, you know, kept asking the question of what do people really think and feel? What do I really think and feel? And that took me toward uh, hypnosis first, and then very reluctantly to uh, psychology, because I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of psychology as a as a sort of formal way of thinking. Anyway, long answer to a short question. That's interesting that you say that though, because in your private practice, you do psychotherapy along with hypnosis and clinical counseling and. Uh, something called EEG biofeedback training. So 
it is one of the things that you do when people uh, come to you. Um, and I, I'm assuming this, and maybe I shouldn't, but you decide which of those tools you're going to use based on, on what your clients come to you to need help with. So for example, if someone came to you and said, um, Hey Lincoln, I, you know, I really struggle with, uh, with smoking. I've been trying to stop smoking for 30 or 40 years, or, you know, I need to lose weight. Those are a couple of things that, that I see, uh, advertised as, as something that, that hypnosis has been successful in treating. Is that where your mind would immediately go if somebody came to you uh, to talk to you about one of those very specific things? Or is there is there more in sussing out exactly how to help someone? Uh, you're right in mentioning those two as common uh, commonly associated with hypnosis. But I don't associate those two. Uh, I think that, you know, it's in, sort of an economic system that's divided people's problems into what solutions sell. So if you're depressed, you go to one place. And if you're ill, you go to another. And if you're overweight, a third. Oh, and then there's coaching and counseling and consulting. Um, what I do with somebody is basically what they decide they want to do. I just throw these things at them with some introduction to see what sticks, you know, like, you know, the joke of throwing... Is it a joke? I'm not sure. Throwing ice cream at the wall, slide <laughs> down. Um, I can't do what doesn't resonate with somebody. So I try to do a lot. And like you say, I have this, this wide background, which is mostly a background of a lot of experiences. And so I try to make one of those experiences stick. And uh, with that uh, rapport, uh, argue that one of these approaches might be more helpful and uh you know the, the biofeedback is actually very important it's interesting that you overlooked it because most people do um but it's really you know ultimately it's how your brain works is going to determine where you go it's sort of like if your tires are bald you're never going to make it out of the ditch and um it'd probably be the last thing you think of when you're stuck in the ditch but um it's important what is that? What is, define that for people who don't know what it is, because you're right. That is one of the things that you do uh, that we didn't talk about. EEG, biofeedback therapist. What does that mean? Um, EEG is electroencephalograph. So it's the brain waves, which is very faint electrical signals that emanate from your brain. And it's a very sort of holistic picture because your brain is full of pieces all operating at the same time. And it's uh, a real sort of view from 20,000 feet when you take a reading at a point on someone's scalp. And that's what it is. It's a reading at your scalp. And what can you tell from that when you do one of these uh, biofeedback readings? Well, there are, there's a lot of discussion about what to make. You, you get a lot of noise. And then, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, a thousand guys a thousand blind guys trying to tell you what an elephant is like. <laughs> Maybe it's not a thousand. Um, so you can, the obvious things you can get are uh, dysfunction, gross dysfunction, since there is something normal that you're supposed to hear. And if it's wildly out of whack, that's an indication of something seriously uh, mechanically wrong. So uh, that's not really what I'm looking for, but that's, you know, what neurologists look for. Epilepsy has a, you know, particular signature. 
Okay. Um, the, the things that you're more commonly going to see are uh, a slow brain or a uh, cogitating brain or an anxious brain. And so that's very important. If you've got an anxious person who comes to you with problems about, you know, vigilance and worry, they generally don't know that it's their attitude rather than their world that's bothering them. But can you really do anything about that, Lincoln? I mean, if somebody is... You can. It's amazingly easy to learn if you can see it. That's the problem. People don't know that they're walking on eggshells because that's where they've been all their whole life. And the beauty of uh, dealing with brainwaves is it has no emotional charge. You simply say, look, here's your brainwave. See what you can do to smooth it out. And, and it's fairly easy to do in some cases. And it um, has amazing results in that people don't notice any change at all, except their world changes. You know, it's like putting on a different pair of glasses. You still feel like you have the same eyes, but all of a sudden everything is in focus. So, and yes, so someone can. comes to you and their, uh, their brainwaves in this EG biofeedback uh, printout uh you spot something there then do you change because you can't change the way they think necessarily i guess you have to change the environment around them or how they react well, to that's, the that's environment close to it well sort of you, you can change the way they think you can't change what they think at least okay. not using this tool but you know if you relax somebody um i, I mean just imagine if you hurt your finger um you can disconnect from the pain. And sometimes people do this voluntarily. It's something you can do with hypnotism. Um, and it, it changes your experience. So you can train a person to be less anxious. You're not changing what they think. You're just changing how they think. Here's another interesting, even more pointed example. Okay. Um, your different parts of your brain tend to be involved with certain functions. So the left front of your brain is more involved with executive function, planning and strategizing. And the right front of your brain is more involved with anxiety and worry and danger. And this is where that whole fiasco about prefrontal lobotomies came in that people would just destroy the client's right frontal lobe and call it a solution. Right, Um, Right. That's not done anymore happily, but you can look at the brain waves at the right frontal part of a person's head and notice that they're hyperactive and simply train them to be less active with the result that they're less worried. And that is a solution. I would actually say solution to some kinds of depression. You know, depression is a big thing. But if a person has these negative, this consistent, repetitive, negative thoughts, and you can allay their negativity not about anything but just in general then it's a relief that it's not something see we're intellectuals we think about things we think problems have to be solved but in fact a lot of our problems are invented you know maybe for good reason but still if we can't solve them it's a problem so if you can relieve somebody and just like lighten them up um it can change their world so is that an answer? It's a great answer. And changing the world is what Lincoln Stoller does for a living every day. You can find out more about him at mindstrengthbalance.com. 
I was teasing Lincoln about this incredible resume. He's a registered clinical counselor, certified hypnotherapist, a sleep therapist, biofeedback therapist, business software design sales and support expert, a physicist, a mountaineer, a scuba diver, a certified scuba diver, and an FAA certified glider pilot. And, and in his spare time, he talks to me on the Big Time Talker podcast. So that's appreciated. Um, Lincoln, I, uh, I lived and worked in Las Vegas several years ago and worked with um, uh, several hypnotists there who were in personal development, but several others who also did sort of these main stage uh, shows at the big casinos in Las Vegas, you know, hypnosis shows where, um, and I'm sure you're familiar with them, you know, the audience would come in and it was all done for yucks and, uh, you know, they put folks to sleep and pretty soon they were clucking like chickens and they were uh, feeling very amorous on stage and all manner of things. I wonder if somebody who uses uh, hypnotherapy in a, a more clinical setting, what your thoughts are on hypnosis as an entertainment form. I don't know. I, I, it mystifies me. I, I really think that it's a, 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 a really a different fish. Um, you know, the, I, I think one of the things you have to, uh, or at least, I don't know if you have to admit it, but at least most people say, is that stage hypnosis requires a certain compliance. Um, if a person's really self-conscious and anxious, they won't let themselves relax. So they've got to be somewhat appropriate for that that uh, drama, and you know I don't I don't do that with my clients. There's two aspects to hypnosis. One's called assertive, which stage hypnosis is, and mm -hmm. some forms of uh, therapeutic hypnosis are. And the other is just suggestive, which is like, you know, don't become a chicken, become something. Tell me what you become. And let's describe it. And when I do that, people become, they become insects, they become plants, they become animals, uh, they go to different planets. And then, uh, and, and sometimes they describe different lives. And I think that's just as wild, or maybe even wilder than becoming a chicken. I mean, the chickens are great, but. You know, <laughs> we all love chicken. I mean, yeah, but, you know, how far do you take that? But if you're going to become, you know, an alien life form, well, what does that mean? Or, you know, or if you're going to go see God, this stuff starts to get psychedelic. And, um, well, you can see it be could become therapeutic, right? You you talked about suggestion in, in hypnosis. And I will tell you, when I worked with these guys at the, the big casinos, they would bring a large group up of volunteers from the audience. There could be two dozen people on stage. And they would, there, there would be some folks who would be very uh, suggestion oriented and others that it didn't take. And, you know, they would sort of shoo them off the stage. Is it the same thing when you do this from a, a clinical standpoint? Are there some people that are, are easier to hypnotize than others? Yeah, but it's not the same. I'm not working to the same standard. If, if it seems like it's useful to somebody, it doesn't matter if it's difficult. You know, I, I don't need a result in five minutes. Right. If, if this seems like, you know, you may have a lot of resistance, but if this is your issue, then we'll work on it. And you do get better at it just by relaxing and trusting me and trusting yourself. 
and trusting the process so that, uh, you know, some people quickly go into a state of relaxed floating visualization. Other people don't. But I'm always surprised at how I can get information out of people who are still, uh, you know, normally conscious. They'll still, you know, like I had one one woman who, who who never never seemed to be hypnotized. She was always talking like she was normally, you know, present and you know having coffee and uh, tea. Yet she would start speaking as if she was channeling entities. And so, you know, what what am I supposed to say? Well, she's not going to cluck like a chicken, but something's happening, and it's uh, revealing to me and revealing to her. So. Uh, that's the difference. You know, if, if you're assertive, you want somebody to follow along. If you're suggestive, you, you follow them. We're talking about the mysteries of the mind. Lincoln Stoller is our guest today. And you can find out more about him and uh, the books he's written and the work he does at mindstrengthbalance.com. He joins us from British Columbia today. Um, there's, there's a lot of talk in the media, um, Lincoln, about uh, whether... Uh, our leaders, whether they be in entertainment or in politics, have the ability to do some sort of of mass hypnosis. Uh, you know, did uh, in in World War II did did Hitler right. uh, you know hypnotize all of these fine people to buy into his deal? And and you know, more recently, it gets bandied about in the media that that the the entire uh, you know stop the steal campaign from President Trump. Uh, was was a, a form of mass hypnosis that all of those people, despite reams and reams of, of evidence uh, otherwise, uh, that that they really believe that the, you know the 2020 election was stolen. Is there really such a thing as as mass hypnosis? Can that happen? Uh, I don't. Uh, you can't doubt it. I mean, look at the. There was a, a book called The Machete Season about the uh, genocide in Rwanda that interviewed people who just took up machetes and slaughtered their neighbors. Uh, you know, they were interviewed after the fact from their prison cells. And they said, you know, they don't know what came over them. Uh, it's a book I really can't read. But um, uh, one of the reasons that I got involved or more involved with psychology is that I started to realize that many of the questions we have about the world are about ourselves and how we think and react. So uh, I'm really interested in learning, independence, uh, collective mind. Um, I, I don't want to get too political here just because we get vague, but I, I think of the Trump phenomena as sort of the great enema that U.S. politics needed to clear itself out and it's not finished. When people, in my view, subscribe to one extreme view, they're trying to, they're trying to explore it. It's, it's like you trying to explore your childhood. Um, it's a sort of collective obsession with a problem, uh, you know, like a, like a mob. So I, I wouldn't call it, Hypnosis, I mean, you could. Uh, Hitler's a great example. Uh, you can't take him out of context. 
the the population was primed from World War One to be extremely upset, and so it has been with other populist movements. It's interesting to try to sort of take that into a personal level. So, you know, what does one person display when they're caught up in that fervor? Um, uh, you know, I, I just have to put that as an open question. Nobody comes to me with a problem saying, I don't like my politics or anything like that. Um, more likely they'll come to me with some somatic problem, like they're hip hurts or they can't sleep. Right. They're worried about their kids. <clears throat> I, I've written this down. and I'm going to put this down as a quote. The great political enema that the country needs. Lincoln Stoller, 2022. That was interesting. It's a great way to look at it. And uh, fascinating conversation today. Um, hey, I want to sh shift over to this book that you wrote about sleep, Becoming Lucid, Self-Awareness in Sleeping and Waking Life. Um, Sleep gets a lot of talk and, and dreams get lots of uh, right. analysis and, and questions. And I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about that. And let's start with the thing that it seems that most Americans struggle with, maybe most people on the planet, and that's getting enough sleep and a, a good night's sleep. Yeah. How crucial do you think that is in, in your deep dive into the world of sleep? Well, I don't think sleep is a separate thing. I think that's the first mistake. Sleep is not something you do when you go to bed any more than the moon is something that exists when the sun goes down. Um, it's part of a whole dance. Sleep is part of your regulatory process. And a lot of essential things happen in your brain, in your body. You, it's, a set, it's a time of going offline and repairing, cleaning and consolidating. So if it's not working, any or many of these things that happen during sleep, then you're going to suffer for it in various different ways. Uh, some ways are physical, other ways are mental. Um, you know, if you don't ever sleep, uh, it's said that you'll uh, die. Right. Um, so the first thing I do with people who have sleep problems is to say it's not a sleep problem, it's a life problem. It's uh, you know, it's the whole system just because you're, you know, just because your engine is sounding funny, it doesn't always mean there's one thing wrong with it. Maybe that's a bad analogy because engines do tend to have one thing wrong with them. But with sleep, it's a regulatory thing. You're, uh, you know, the first approach is to sort of see what's disrupting you. Um, physically, is your circadian clock all screwed up because you're staying up too late and having some irregular schedule or is it a more um uh something involved with say attention or depression or obsession um trauma more psychological and then i like to get into the topic of dreams which i think is really rich and generally overlooked sort of like stage hypnosis is uh viewed as a kind of curiosity so right. our dreams, but there's a lot you can do with them uh, if you want to. I don't. You don't have to. I think dreams do their work just fine without your involvement. 
but you can get involved and they will provide you a window that book that you mentioned becoming lucid was a way to start talking to people about their different states of mind um, as things that they construct not as daytime reality versus nighttime fantasy um, but as uh, states of reality that you can use to understand your world saying you know that the daytime reality is not as real as you think and the nighttime dream world is not as fantastic as you think they're actually hmm. relatively uh, relevant or okay there i'll stop there yeah <laughs> it's interesting i can understand why you get wound up about it i i do want to ask before we move off of, of the sleep piece itself um because you mentioned that people come to you and, and they're having problems sleeping if someone is listening right now um, and that is an issue because I understand it's a big issue for a lot of people. What are the first two or three things that you would recommend to someone who's, who's having a challenge getting a good night's sleep? And, and also as a second part of that, what is a good night's sleep? I mean, do we need a minimum of six hours? Do we need a minimum of eight hours? Well, uh, I'll have to give you an answer that neither of which you asked for directly. Um, on my website, I have a lot of free audios for sleep. Um, you know, you go to the website, you go to the products page, and you search under free. And these are MP3 audios you can download. There's a description of each of them. And people say they put them to sleep, which is kind of what you'd expect for a hypnotherapist. Right. And that's not the entire intention of these. They're all sort of targeted towards certain emotional feelings. And uh, I would suggest people take a look at that and, you know, download them. They say I have a great voice and, you know, very melodious and so forth. Um, my uh, sort of this, this gets to the deeper level. My hope is that people will unlock themselves by listening to, by being induced into a state that considers them considers their issues openly and without framework and that they'll make or could make progress in dealing with the issues that disturb them so they'll come to me with an issue like sleep and it will actually turn out to be an issue that is related to socks hmm. uh, the socks under their bed when they were six that caused them nightmares and then you know stuff starts coming up it seems ridiculous perhaps at first the way i stated it but this is the way people's associations grow. So that's the first answer. Go to the website, listen to some of those audios, see what you think. Uh, maybe they'll just put you to sleep and maybe that's all you need. Right. And then with regard to the second question in terms of what's the minimum, um, I definitely feel better when I get regular sleep. Uh, you, you know, if you look at sleep from a sort of physiological standpoint, it's got a bunch of phases. Uh, they happen in a certain order. Then later at night, you have this rapid eye movement stage where most of the dreaming happens. It comes in phases, three or four of them, about 40 minutes long. And uh, it needs to come to a conclusion. And then, you know, at the end, it sort of rises up like uh, the tide goes out and you find yourself awake. But without completing all of the tasks, um, you can end up really depleted and exhausted and tired. Um, 
and that leads to being ill and being, uh, you know, out of sorts. And that leads to a changes in your life circumstance. So, um, yes, it's important to try to get good sleep. Uh, the minimum does seem to definitely decrease with age. I seem to be okay with six and a half, and I'm 66 years old. Um, you know, teenagers, they say, need 10, and they don't get it. Um, and, you know, as I said when we started, it's really about how you structure your life. Just because you put aside 10 or six and a half hours doesn't mean you're going to get it. Uh, you have to plan for sleep throughout the day. Um, that's what sleep is about. It's recovering from your day. If your day is really stressed and really bent out of shape, you'll probably need more sleep. And similarly, when I go hiking and, you know, nothing's on my mind, I sleep like a baby. So that's my answer. That website with the free sleep uh, downloads is mindstrengthbalance.com. That's mindstrengthbalance.com. Lincoln Stoller has uh, some books available there, but also he's been kind enough to offer up some free sleep-enhancing MP3s that you can download and, and help you get to sleep. Hey, let's talk about dreams and what we can learn from our dreams. And, and I want to start, and, and I try never to make the show about me, but I think that, that lots of people share a phenomenon that I do in that, Lincoln, I don't remember most of my dreams. And I wonder if that's a good thing, a bad thing. And if it's a bad thing, are there things I can do to help me to recall my dreams? It's easy to remember your dreams. Just do two things. First, you have to want to, um, which is to say when you go to sleep, it has to be on your radar. Okay. And second, you have to be woken up during your dreaming phase. You have to awake during your dreaming phase. And then, you know, the, the dreams are kind of running for the shadows like cockroaches in the kitchen. And you have to catch them. You don't need to catch much. Um, as you might experience, if you just have a the tiniest sort of thread of a dream, you can often reel in more. But you have to understand that the dream, which seems like it took a minute or two, actually was an hour long. And it went all over the place. And you're never going to trace it all the way back in all of its detail. So what you want to do, if you want to remember your dreams, is to set an alarm before you wake up, before you normally wake up, and then have a um, piece of paper beside your bed and a light that's not too bright uh, so that you can turn it on when the alarm rings and you can write down a few words and then go back to sleep. And it's generally not too hard to do that, uh, both to write it down and to go back to sleep. The longer you spend awake, the more you emerge from sleep, the more difficult it is to get back to sleep and then it becomes a problem. Um, I think this becomes a skill that you can do more easily with practice. And um, I don't think it's a problem that you don't remember your dreams, because like I say, your dreams do just fine without you. And becoming involved in your dreams is more of an act of asking permission than it is of insinuating yourself. I do think, in general, <clears throat> your mind has many levels of which you are the least important. You're like the driver of the bus. You know, you've got a schedule and you've got a route 
and you proceed and do it. But it's not all that, you know, free will is not all that uh, as it's cut out to be. You mostly constrained in terms of attitude and schedule. So uh, if, if you want to be involved with your dreams, you kind of have to approach it in, with humility and, and um, openness and willingness to play a, an incidental role. If you're lucky, it's always amazing. You may wake up in your dream and realize you're dreaming in that funny kind of strange way that you accept something that's not real. And you can have very odd interactions with characters and dreams. Um, sometimes great, usually just strange. Um, but but here it's, it's it's like you are a sort of a stand-in for a drama, and you you're called on stage, not entirely sure what your lines are, and not ensure not entirely sure what the whole play is about, and then you wake up and you ponder it. Um, so I'll let you ask the next question. I think I I think I know what it is or should be. <laughs> oh, oh, now you're putting me on the spot. So actually, I was uh, I was going to ask you if if it's you know, if you can learn things from your dreams, you know, is, is there foreshadowing that happens? Is it, uh, is it important that we try to figure out, you know, how to, to pay a little bit more attention to these dreams? Okay. That's a good enough, uh, that close enough to what I, I wanted you to say. Fair um, enough. Here's how to think about dreams as compared to waking life. So waking life is serial and sequential and rational or, or at least sort of sensible and you try to make it sensible and dreams are are, are horizontal they're associative they they explore reason um, they don't connect in series they connect in parallel so if you simply look at your dream if you remember your dream or whatever you you do remember as a series of different perspectives on an issue they make a lot more sense. It's presented to you linearly like a storyline, but it really has to be folded like sort of some kind of origami in on itself. So one example is if you meet somebody during the day that you're interested in or is interesting, then you'll have a dream about them and you'll imagine them as a dog, perhaps, if you like dogs, or as a lion, if you're afraid of lions, and you'll see, well, you know, do, do your thinking about these other contexts map onto this person? Because we're all habitual people and we're trying to find patterns that make life easier. And we'll try one pattern or try another pattern, or maybe this person will transform into a pig or a car because you like cars and you like bacon. And you'll be trying to run along figuring, you know, what does Mr. X have to do with the side of bacon? And it's not direct, it's just shapes of ideas trying to fit together in some semblance of order. And uh, I find that's, that's very helpful when you start thinking about a dream as just a way of fitting order to the world instead of a storyline, then you're not hung up about the strangeness. It's all just like free abstract art. You know, people were hung up on abstract art. They didn't think it portrayed anything. And um, they didn't understand it as feeling or emotive. Anyway, <clears throat> so... How did you get interested in, in these, 
these, these sort of esoteric concepts, you know, uh, uh, hypnosis and uh, becoming a sleep therapist. What was it about you that, that drew you to that world? Um, well, like I say, as a child, I was sort of uh, an only child. I was sort of wondering what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, I wondered why do uh, why are adults so stupid? Why are they sort of so robotic? <laughs> I still wonder yeah. that. Yeah, I know. Well, now we kind of know it's because we have mortgages and jobs and worries um, and expectations. <clears throat> but as a kid, you're thinking, well, you know, how come everybody else isn't like me? And uh, so I found a great relief in going mountaineering because then you get to deal with a world that's, you know, no nonsense. Nothing personal, you know. You know, a, a rock will fall on your head just because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And then, but you have to be responsible for yourself. And when I would come back to high school with pictures and stories of, you know, surviving the mountains, people would look at me like I was crazy. Well, actually, they wouldn't look at me at all because it didn't make any sense. You know, why would I leave the happy homestead to go do some weird risky thing of which there's no reward Mm -hmm. so people would just ignore me but i started to appreciate here was something that i could um i could judge myself against you know i I would have to react i would there would be consequences and i would clearly make up the reward you know getting to the top is a a reward and in that process i think i dealt with my own strong feelings and i dealt with a lot of crazy people some manifestly uh, crazy and others just assertively crazy. But in in this strange world of sort of uh, self-satisfying behavior. Um, so the, I think that, and, you know, I'll tell you one story. Going on a large expedition to uh, Alaska required us to walk across a glacier. Okay. The glaciers are huge and they don't change, you know, for hours and miles, nothing changes. And you're, you know, bowed down under this heavy load, walking through slush up to your knees, uh, you know, with, you know, feeling sore and exhausted. And after a while you go into a trance, right? I mean, what are you going to do? It's like being at the dentist's. And that was really interesting to realize that you could change the passage of time and the way the world felt. And I, I think that sort of kicked me onto the path of, of uh, the mystery of psychology. I think that was your question. Lincoln Stoller, our guest today, his website is mindstrengthbalance.com. He's got lots of free goodies on there for folks who are listening to the big time talker podcast. Um, I, you know, Lincoln, I find the, the topics fascinating. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the program. But there will be people listening who are skeptical of analyzing dreams and skeptical of hypnosis. And, and I'm sure you've run into those people before. You have a pretty varied background. And, and I wonder what say you to people who are skeptical of these things that maybe uh, many folks don't understand. Well, you know, it's like uh, the counseling. You throw things at people and you see what sticks. And if this doesn't stick to them, I don't make an argument out of it. Um, 
I spent 20 years as a software consultant and dealt with um, people who were very pragmatic, mm -hmm. often sort of confrontational, you know, in the sort of management mode. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of this hierarchy notions of uh, chain of command kind of stuff. Um, and basically, I have to present my point of view, which is very individual and um, creative, and uh, put it in contrast to their point of view, if it is a contrast. Um, so I was interested, uh, Jack Welsh is known as a great executive, but also a, a, an insufferable personality. Um, so there are, at least um, in many of my encounters, there are people who are very authoritarian, very, you could say rigid, or at least hierarchical, monarchic, maybe, to invent a word. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you say, well, uh, you know, you quickly establish the lines, right? You know, if, if you're a racist and I'm a racist, we go, we get along great. And if you're a racist and I'm not a racist, there's not much we can do about it. So these, there are these, there are these great dichotomies, you know, gender, race, culture, attitude, authority. And if you want to also health, if you want to uh, fight those battles, and some people do, then, you know, well, if you're asked to fight that battle, you can either accept or not. So some therapy clients want to fight that battle. They say, I'm physically ill. And I'd like to tell them, no, you're not actually physically ill. You're just sort of obsessed with the physical nature of your struggle. And they don't want to hear that. Um, but it may be the best thing I can offer them. You know, I, I think it probably is. Um, and if you don't like that and you want to be uh, collegial and um, in alliance, then you have to say, well, you know, I don't do that. Uh, I, I, can, I can look at things from your point of view. Where am I going with this? Uh, oh, yeah. So you asked, what do you do with people who don't buy into that? Don't the... buy into it, yeah. Well, you try to reframe their objections in a way that makes them think it's possible. So one thing that I'll do is I'll flee to physics and start talking strangeness about time and quantum mechanics and reality. Uh, this is one of the basic things that you do in hypnosis is you confuse people into submission. And um, you know a very authoritarian structured person will have trouble when you put them in a situation they don't understand. And they tend to sort of you know, they fall in line, right? Because right. they're, they're structured thinking. And so you give them another way of thinking. So they say, I don't agree with you in this hypnotic realm. And you say, well, okay, let's talk about physics, in which case I sort of, you know, tie them up in knots. <laughs> and, now, and now they don't know, now they can't disagree with me anymore because right. it's out of their field. And then I could head off and, you know, physics is just as strange as hypnotism, that's for sure, um, if not stranger. And maybe they'd like that. A lot of structured people would really like to get out of the structure. It's just that they're not comfortable getting out of it. So you have to give them, you know, this is what guided visualization is all about. 
you say, well, we're, we're in another world now. You're not Jack Welsh. Now you're whoever, you know, and tell me what you see. And in the privacy of the office or the confidentiality of a counseling session, they can open up in very strange and ultimately rewarding ways. And then you say to them, see, I told you there was something there. And that's that's kind of my general approach to people who, who won't go there, to take them there through another route. You know, I love that that in your, your resume, you come across very much as a lifetime learner, somebody who's, who's always on a quest to try to figure new stuff out. And the stuff that you work on is just fascinating. So as I look through this list of, you know, in your private practice, you do uh, clinical counseling and psychotherapy and hypnotherapy and this uh, biofeedback uh, therapy. You do uh, work with sleep and dreams. You're a physicist, scuba diver, a pilot, a mountaineer, you know, on, on, on the side for fun. And you've, you've authored some books. You have a new one coming out uh, later this year. What's, what's exciting and fun for Lincoln Stoller? What makes you uh, jazzed when you roll out of bed after a good night's sleep? Well, unfortunately, I'm, I'm obsessed with challenges. Um, I wish I, I had more light recreation, but uh, I, I have toned myself down. The, the mountaineering stuff was, it was, too, um, was too dangerous. Um, and uh, so I've kind of become intellectually curious. And, you know, this, this is, uh, I mean, people will appreciate this. Any intellectual pursuit takes you out of bounds if you follow it very far. My rule is like, you can ask three questions about why. You know, the joke about kids, they're always asking why, and then uh -huh. their adults get frustrated. And after the third question, the adults just say, because. <laughs> well, 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 that's like what it is in science. You can ask, and I have done this. I've asked professors, well, why? you know, but why? And after three times, they'll just say, because, and if you pursue that, they'll tell you to just leave. Um, get out of my room. They're, 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 I, one know. guy actually said that, get, you know, get out. And it's like amazing. <laughs> you know, it, it, you break through the, the pretense of, of authenticity and you reach the level of, of, I guess you'd call it ego or personal security. So, you know, one of the, one of, one of the great things that's, I guess you'd say, I love failing. I love to be confused. Um, so every morning I, I get involved with the stock market. I don't think there's anything more confusing than the stock market. Um, unpredictable. And, and, you know, that gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, and I do think there's, so, so that's the answer. I'm always curious to learn a little more about something that seems to be important. So the stock market is important because it's people voting with their wallets. Right. In, in a very indirect way, you know, you try to determine what they're actually doing and it's hard to figure out, you know, are they voting about oil? Are they voting about future earnings or what's going on? Um, there is some, there is some, obviously there's some rationality to it because everybody's making a thoughtful decision or at least they think so. But when you add it all together, it sounds like noise. And that sounds like a lot about a person's personality. Um, you know, a person's personality is trying to be rational, but when you look at their behavior, it looks kind of noisy. 
So that's my my interest in. I mean, that's why my background is varied because you look at every. You can ask if you keep asking why in almost any field. I think you get back down to the same basic questions. You know, why did why do you feel that way? Uh, wh what what caused you to uh, react in this way? I could ask that of my physics professors or, you know, the executives who make uh, software decisions. And sometimes there's an answer. And it's like I talked about sleep, it may have apparently nothing to do with the problem. I find that interesting. And when you're dealing with a person and their personal problems, it can be really enlightening. When I have you on the show, Lincoln, I promise to never answer you with because. <laughs> oh, well, that'll just get me going. Yeah. <laughs> That's my pinky swear. To our guest, Lincoln Stoller, fascinating guy. The website is mindstrengthbalance.com. And you mentioned you have some, uh, some free MP3s that folks can download that may help with their sleep. But there was something else you had on the website you wanted to point people towards. Well, I have a blog that I give uh, free monthly posts to people who subscribe. And uh, you can find that link to subscribe to that blog on various locations on my website and if you do subscribe i give you a free download we didn't even talk about this subject of a book called becoming super genius which is about my interviews with the people that mentored me in my life and um yeah so you go to the website and you click on one of the things that say subscribe here and then you get an email asking you to confirm your subscription after which which you've done that confirmation, you get a link to download this book in a digital format. And it's called Becoming Super Genius, part one, uh, actually of three parts. And um, it's, a, it's a large book. So it's not just a, a, a fluff piece. That's very kind. Free goodies just for listening to the podcast today. And they're available from our friend Lincoln Stoller at Mind Strength balance.com. Lincoln, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation today. Thanks for making time. Thanks very much, Burke. It's really been a pleasure. That's my new friend, Lincoln Stoller. He's in private practice up in British Columbia, uh, clinical counseling, psychotherapy, hypnotherapy, EEG, biofeedback training. He's also a sleep therapist and lots more. Find out more about him and uh, check out his books and other works at Mind Strength balance.com. Hey, thanks speakermatch.com for sponsoring our show today. We appreciate you and we appreciate you for taking the time out to subscribe and listen to our big time talker podcast. Now, wherever you go, whatever you do, go out and make it a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye everybody.